Hi, I'm a grown adult man wearing an itty bitty white robe, Taylor. And I'm a nine year old girl clearly being dubbed over by a grown adult, Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. This week we watched 1972's The Red Queen Kills Seven Times, directed by Emilio Mir. Nope, I took so many years of Italian. Emilio Miraglia, starring Barbara Bouchette, Marina Malfatti, Fabrizio Morsco, and Carla Mancini. It's a gothic giallo. Literally, what more could you want from a film? It's great. It's it's such a fun time. It's a great time. I wish that this was my life. I wish that this was the situation that I was in as a person. I wish that this was the biggest problem I had to deal with right now. I wish that the I wish that these people's problems were my problems because I I, I just would rather be dealing with murderous, legendary, vengeful serial killers and stuff. At least that's exciting. You know. Anyway, this is a movie that we both had never seen before. Yep, I had never watched this before, so we can't really talk about memories. Um, yeah, I did not have a particularly memorable time watching it uh, for the first time. I just sort of sat down and did it. So Yeah, nothing really memorable happened to me either. I, I Same as you, sat and watched the movie. So, <laughs> But I had a great time. I also had a great time. This is a fun movie. In doing our episode of Ready or Not, I realized that I am not very good at coming up with my own synopsises of the films. So I'm just going to read this one that I found on uh, Jeff Bezos' hell site, Amazon. Great. At the height of the Italian giallo boom in the early 1970s, scores of filmmakers turned their hand to creating their own unique takes on these lurid murder mystery thrillers. In The Red Queen Kills Seven Times, an age-old family curse hits sisters Kitty and Francisca following the death of their grandfather Tobias. Every hundred years or so, the legend goes, the bloodthirsty Red Queen returns and claims seven fresh victims. Was Tobias just the first? And are Kitty and Francisca next? One thing I will say before we go any further in discussing this movie is that Mm -hmm. this is a movie, um, like most Giallo films, that relies heavily on the mystery. Um, Yes. So... If you are the kind of person for whom spoilers ruin your enjoyment of a movie, I would definitely suggest pausing this podcast now and going and watching The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Uh, we both recommend it. It's it's a fun little movie. It is. Although I will say, just a quick little content warning, there is a pretty graphic rape scene. For no at some reason. Point. For no reason. And that's very unfortunate and totally understandable if that ruins the experience yeah, for you. If, because if, if, that, if that makes you not want to watch this movie, I completely understand. Um... Listen, yeah. it's nasty. I felt kind of uncomfortable. That kind of thing doesn't usually, like, bother me in, in fiction. So just a little content warning before we get started. Watch at your own discretion. If you can handle it, though, it's a good time. It's a good movie. And it, it is a brief scene, and it's it's not anything of consequence. So if you can get timestamps from somewhere and you can skip it, you probably could. Yeah, it doesn't really impact the story. It's not which like is... a slot point. They don't bring it up afterwards. Which is probably worse. worse. (laughs) Why does it happen? God only knows. (sighs) Well, other than that, we would Mm -hmm. definitely recommend this movie. Yes. And if you don't care about spoilers, uh, listen on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I am the type of person who does not really give a shit about spoilers ever. So if that's you, we're going to be spoiling the hell out of this movie. So right off the bat, did you expect who the killer was? Did you guess? or? So here's the thing. About me and the plot of this movie. (laughs) So, anyone who knows me 
knows that I am extremely face blind. I was going to say, is this about your face blindness? This is about my face blindness. I Just to give an example, and we will touch upon this more whenever we do our episode on Saw 3, but I didn't recognize Amanda Young the first time I saw her in Saw 3 because she has different hair than she had in Saw 2. Correct. And... Any, again, anyone who knows me, Amanda Young is like in the pantheon of my favorite traumatized brunettes. So you know what that means, that I couldn't recognize her. This, this movie, movie must have been rough on you because I'm not face blind at all and I was having some trouble telling some people. This movie was so rough on me because there's like four different blonde women and they all have kind of the same haircut and they all kind of sound the same. And they all have the same kind of like facial structure. So I did look on Wikipedia to kind of be able to follow along with the story. <laughs> they're, here's the thing. They're all hot in the same way. Exactly. They're exactly. all the same type of hot. Exactly. It, it's, it was a struggle. So I did get the, the reveal of the killer spoiled for me as I was watching this movie. Okay. And it, it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the movie, I'll say, because it's still like really visually cool and watching the story play out is fun. But yeah, that was um that was my experience with the guessing the killer. <laughs> I made a here's here's a fun thing. I made a little like character sheet in my notes. Oh my god. Of like like I listed out all the characters and like basic things that I knew about them like as they showed up so that I could remember who they were. Mm-hmm. Okay, by the end I could pick Kitty out from the crowd. Yeah, I could pick her out. He is the protagonist. Francisca was also a little easier because she, I think, had more severe facial features than the other ones. I did not, like, I think it was Rosemary and Lulu, and there was another one. Rosemary and Lulu, I kept mixing them up. Oh, It's like, why are there so many blonde women? I know Rosemary and and Lulu is that Rosemary and Lulu are both, like, strawberry blonde. Exactly. They both have kind of reddish hair. So, like, like one of them would come on screen and it would, like, take me a second to, like, realize yeah. who was who. I had to wait for them to, like, refer to each other by name. Yeah. I was like... Although, Lulu is played by um, cult film star Sybil Danning, who yes. I love. She's, I she I know her from the-, the greatest, one of the greatest films ever made, The Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. That was literally what I was just about to say. And I haven't seen that movie, and I need to. The, the title alone is, like... The, the title alone, like, that's for me. Is for me. <laughs> that's what people tell your brothers. That's <laughs> true. They, they, they say to Jamie and Jace, your sister's a werewolf. It's true, and they're right. It's true, and they're correct. Christopher Lee is also there. <laughs> Not wanting I to be there. That. It's a fun movie. Oh, God um, bless. But, yeah, Sybil Danning is here, and within five minutes of being on screen, she takes her top off, which, like, it's a Sybil Danning role. Of course she does. Yeah. Um, She's constantly taking her top off in movies. Like, there's not a ton of nudity in this movie. But there is one scene where, like, either well, is it... Well, when it's there, it's incredibly gratuitous. It's there. It's there. Like, I literally just have a note for the first time she shows up. It's literally just titties, period. Yep. <laughs> I think, like, one of the first things she says to the guy that she's talking to is she's like, did you come here to see my boobs? <laughs> I was um, like, oh, no. And then she immediately takes her top off god she's a queen for that though she's a queen for that so um i have to ask a very important question and unfortunately this is maybe a joke that our listeners will not be a part of but hey taylor Mm. is this film and it is a film part 
of the cuck horror cinematic universe. We've discussed the CHCU on this podcast. Okay, well then, but is it? No. No? My man has a wife. I, I My man is married. Be like, like, the cucking has to be, like, part of the horror. You I know mean, what I, I guess. mean? I guess. <laughs> like, like, I feel like it has to tap into, like, the male fear of being cuckolded. Okay, so you're saying the cuckoldry in this movie is just incidental. Yeah, I I I'd say that um yeah, it's it's incidental cuckoldry. It's not like it's not cuck horror. Okay. It's horror okay. that happens to also feature cuckoldry in it. Gotcha, gotcha. If you guys don't know what the CHCU is, it's a long and proud tradition on this podcast. Go listen to our haunted mansion. Episode. No, we, we discuss it at length in the Haunted Mansion episode. But I think the Haunted Mansion is like, as as silly of a movie as it is, it is like the prime example to me of like the CHCU. I mean, the prime example to me is and always will be Truth or Dare. Oh, I was well, going to say Waxwork. <laughs> waxwork too, but Truth or Dare I think is the top because Truth or Dare is what started it for because, me. Because like I feel like with I feel like with the CHCU, and I'm kind of getting off track here, but like the I feel like the the we'll steer this back in a second. At least in, 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 if, if you don't want to listen to this, then listen to a different podcast. This is what we talk about here. <laughs> this it, is a vibes it, only to podcast. To me, like, the essence of like the CHCU is like male main character who mm-hmm. is like, his girlfriend is like cheating on him. And it's supposed to be like, you, the audience, are this man. Wouldn't it be fucked up if your girlfriend cheated on you? Wouldn't be wouldn't it be fucked up if your wife like tried to leave you for a Delph ghost, like in the haunted mansion? <laughs> like it has to I feel like it has to at least tap into the male audience's fears of cuckoldry. Which I don't think That's this is true. Does. No, I don't think it does. Like I said, it's it's incidental cuckoldry. And also, um, this woman is like barely there mentally. Yeah. <laughs> she I mean, I can I say something controversial yet brave? Yes, you can. I think there was some... I think there was some stuff happening there. You think Elizabeth and, um... You think Elizabeth and, uh... It was Rosemary. Uh, Rosemary. You think Elizabeth and Rosemary ex- explored each other's bodies? I, I... Listen, she was like... There was that whole monologue where she was like... And she visits me every night. And we go out into the garden. And I was like... And you kiss each other on the mouth? I did have a note that just said Evelyn and Elizabeth lesbians question mark. Literally, was, I was like, there's some It reminds me a lot of like Dracula. Yeah, it is kind of like Dracula. It's very, like Car- I was thinking Carmilla Carmilla. Like very mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like, I don't know. There probably could have been other ways that you could have done this. Yeah. You had to choose the most homoerotic way possible to like drive this woman insane. You also could have just killed her. Like, you didn't even need to do it this drawn out, you know? Yeah, but it wouldn't have been that dramatic or gay enough like that. I wrote a bunch of times in my notes, like, this killer, because I I hadn't guessed who the killer was. I was like, this killer is, like, so dedicated to the aesthetic that she keeps it up even when nobody is watching. Which, like, normally in movies like this, I would see as a flaw. But, like, I fully believe that Rosemary was just completely dedicated to the Red Queen, like, persona. I agree. Also, it's a Jallo. <laughs> yeah, J- Jallos can do whatever they want. Jallos literally can do whatever they want. Like, if you're writing a Jallo, you just have a, f- a free pass, which you is going to come. Pass. You can do anything and nobody cares. This concept is for sure going to come back in our next uh, Jallo <laughs> yes, that we do. Yes, definitely. Um, but it it starts here with with the OG yes. Jallo films. Yeah. And I'm, I'm probably pronouncing 
the word incorrectly. I'm sorry to any Italians who may be listening. <laughs> While we're talking about Elizabeth, I do want to say I really like, like I know I've, I made a joke that like, oh, it's a gothic giallo, what more could you want? But I do like that we have sort of these gothic tropes mm. in the giallo narrative. Yeah. Like you have the the mad wife in the attic or in the mental health care facility. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, and, you know, you also have this sense of, like, fucked up family shit. Dude, you I, was, I was so, like, I kept writing notes about how, like, this is so, like, this is so gothic. Like, this, like, aristocratic, like, super fucked up family. Yes. With, like, murder and mayhem going on behind the walls of this beautiful old house. Like, it's so gothic. It's wonderful. It's, it's really cool to see that sort of blend of these two genres which you would think are like i think on the surface people could definitely be like yeah these are two very different genres but they mesh together so well yeah and the gothic tropes just slot right into the giallo narrative it's great i love it because the giallo to me is very like modern and like very Mm mid-century and like this movie has like this movie is clearly from the 70s god yes <laughs> this movie is so 70s um but it has those like those like blood and black lace like giallo elements like it has like the you know even just taking directly from something like blood and black lace part of it does take place in a fashion house and our main character kitty is a, a fashion photographer yeah i have a note that's literally just like oh fashion photographer that's like such a giallo occupation to have yeah it's it is like the most giallo profession for for kitty to have is to, to be a fashion photographer yeah um but like it so seamlessly blends the like modern giallo aspects with these sorts of traditional gothic things and i just think they they mesh together so well and i'm surprised more movies haven't played with that that like smooshing together of these two genres it's because they're cowardly. Let's be real. If you if if you could choose a modern day director to remake this movie, who would you choose? Oh, God. See, my immediate instinct, and this could just be because, because of Crimson Peak, but I would love to see Del Toro get his hands on this one. Mm, I think yeah, that definitely. would be fun. If not him, I mean, James Wan has already proven he can do, do Jalo, so... We've he seen, also, I mean, but we've also seen Del Toro do, like, mid-century with something like um, The Shape of Water, oh, which takes place water. in the 60s, I think. Yes. And so, like, I think it would be really interesting to see what Del Toro could do with, like, this meshing of, like, modern and old-fashioned aesthetics. Like, if you threw, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Shape of Water and, like, Nightmare Alley sort of situation and, like, a Crimson Peak into, like, a blender... Yes. That could be such a cool movie. Del Toro, get on this. I know you have like 5,000 projects that you want to do that haven't come to fruition yet, but like add this to your list, please. This is super off topic, but like I remember listening to, I think it was King Cast, and he was talking to the hosts of that show about how he wanted to do Pet Cemetery. And mm-hmm. I was like, we are living, I can't believe we have to live in the timeline where we don't have Guillermo del Toro's Pet Cemetery. That because exists I, in the Beastly Kingdom universe for sure. It does. It does. I, okay. I was just... So the thing about the Beastly Kingdom universe is that del Toro in the Beastly Kingdom universe has been able to make every single project. It's true. 
has wanted to make but never got to. Like, he got to fucking make his In the Mouth of Madness movie. Like, we do have uh, Guillermo del Toro's Haunted Mansion movie. We do. We have that. And it came out in like 2015 or whatever. Like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Speaking of which, we're getting updates about that Haunted Mansion movie. And, guys, it's so scary. Guys, it's something. It's so Um, scary. But yeah, I would love to see Del Toro get his hands on this. I think he could do something really interesting with it. And I know there's going to be someone in the audience who just is like, hey, you guys want Del Toro to remake everything? I'm, the answer to that is yes. The answer to that is simply yes, he should. and he should The answer be to that to. is yes. And uh, I think Del Toro should remake everything. Honestly, ever. I feel like Del Toro is like a, if not the correct answer to every who should remake this movie question. It's true. It's either him or, like... No, it's just him. Yeah, I feel like with any movie, you could say, Del Toro should remake this, and you'd be correct in saying that. Because he could do anything. It's this true. is not a podcast about Guillermo Del Toro, though. <laughs> okay, yes, you're right. This We are talking about the Red Queen kill seven times. I would like to see him do but this. But I would though. like to see him tackle this, yes. <laughs> Sorry, that was, our, that was our Del Toro sidebar. This could be a podcast about Guillermo Del Toro if we really wanted it to be. Yeah, it, it could. <laughs> Anyway, I, (laughs) one of my first notes when I started watching this movie was big spooky house, check. Creepy kids, check. Weird little doll, check. It throws you right into it immediately. Yeah, you are, you're just there. It's great. You're like, oh, so we're doing all of the horror tropes. Got it. Gotcha. Thumbs up. The doll actually doesn't play into it too much other than like that horrific scene where the small child stabs the doll a bunch of times. Yeah. That happens. Which is, I mean, if 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 your child does that, maybe send her to some therapy. Yeah, maybe maybe try to get her some help. <laughs> She's going through something that you don't know about. Maybe send her to some therapy instead of just being like, "Hmm, I will instead remove this painting with evil vibes," I and love that will. That. Wait, all I could think about when he was like, "Get rid of this painting right now," was like, "Well, first of all, I was like, okay, that's like a priceless piece of art. Why would you just throw that in the garbage?" <laughs> but Literally, second of all, like, all I could think of was the the scene from I know you haven't seen this show, but like the one scene from Always Sunny in Philadelphia with the painting of the dog, and Frank is like, "Charlie, we need to get rid of this painting. It's smug or a." mocks me <laughs> i've That's seen all the I can picture when the grandpa was telling the maid to get rid of the painting it's get rid cursed of the painting aura mocks me smug aura mocks me oh god did the painting like come back somehow or i don't think so because were, like, like, the only... like were we just like was she just remembering the painting because we would get like random shots of the painting throughout the movie i think we were, she was just remembering the painting like the only time we see her actually with the painting is during that trippy dream sequence Mm. which i love oh i love it if a 70s movie has a dream sequence you know you know it's gonna be fucking good you know it's gonna be good it's kind of funny also like when the when the main theme the title theme of this movie kicked in it's kind of funny how well i know the score for this movie and the reason that i know about this movie in the first place is just because like i have a huge playlist on spotify of like um like 60s and 70s like Italian film scores and this is one of the ones that like every time it comes on I'm like fuck yeah this shit's funky as hell I love so like I knew this theme already very well (laughs) because I've like written a lot with it playing in the background I love Jalo scores so much they're always like this they're always like this 
and they're it's just so like, good. They're so bouncy. They're so it's like and it's like this is a horror movie, but it's like the score is not that. It's so it. groovy. Honestly, it's not even just Giallo movies. It's like any like Italian horror movies from That's like true. the seventies. Because Giallo is I its did own enjoy, like, separate uh, thing. Like I'm thinking yeah, yeah, specifically yeah. like the score for Han- for for Hannibal. <laughs> the score Please, for Hannibal. Please tell me about the score from Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> the score from Cannibal Holocaust like rules. It's I've great. Never seen Cannibal Holocaust. Don't. <laughs> I won't. I I don't really like it that much. But the, I listen to the score all the time. The score's great. I did enjoy. We do have like the bouncy sort of main theme, but I did enjoy the other sort of uh main uh late motif, if you will, that had like the harpsichord. Ooh, she started in out it. the film school words. I did. You see, this is a film podcast. I have a BA in film. It's fine. I liked the the harpsichord one mm. that sort of had that like renaissance flair to it. It's very nice. Yes. Very spooky. Very keeping in tone with the Red Queen and what she's supposed to be. Also, I feel like you and I need to both say this thing that we're both thinking right now, um, which is, fuck, I want to live in that house. Um second note of the film i would like to live here all caps <laughs> is it even a final girl files episode about a gothic movie if jemmy and taylor don't talk about how much they want to live in the haunted house because <laughs> that house is cool as hell it's so pretty when they like it's zoom so... in on that dragon statue or whatever oh mm. I delicious love what i like a lot about and this goes both for like the interior of the house and more of the mid-century modern interiors i love how giallo movies play or not 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 giallo movies sorry italian movies play with uh patterns and shapes as part of their set design and i think a lot of that has something to has a lot to do with like just the design trends at the time because it was the 70s and everyone was just like on massive amounts of drugs (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funny about that yeah. So earlier today, uh, I had uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. I my family had uh, we we had uh, my stepbrother and um, my stepdad's uh, niece and nephew and their families over for brunch this morning. And in between playing court jester, uh, the adults put on uh, Sesame Street for the for the kids on the television, and we were like, oh my god! Like on HBO Max, they have like every season of Sesame Street, like, going back to, like, the beginning of Sesame Street. And so my mom was like, can we put on, like, an episode from, like, when we were kids? And so we put on an episode from the 70s, and it was horrific. Was it? It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. I mean, like, like, it was so funny because, like, most of my exposure to, like, things that were made in the 70s is horror movies. Mm-hmm. Same so, here. like, I tend to think of a lot of aspects that were just like 70s things i tend to think of them as horror things no you watch like a normal show like a fucking episode of sesame street from like 1973 and it's 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 like that (laughs) again everyone was just on massive amounts of drugs doing that that's just how it was to live in the 70s and we were all like horrified my mom was like i can't believe i watched this when i was a kid (laughs) oh my god uh, so I feel like it's easy to forget what things, like, when we're looking at movies that were made in the past, like, what things were, like, 
on purpose and what things are just like because this movie was from 1972. Yeah. Like the outfits. Oh my god. Can okay. We, uh, we, Wait. Okay. We need to do like a whole <laughs> segment for like our favorite outfits from this movie. <laughs> I just need to say right out the gate. So many patterned suits in this movie. Men. What is stopping you from dressing like this? Every single day of my life, I mourn the fact that, like, patterned suits and colorful suits are, like, not fashionable anymore, whatever. <laughs> Fuck you. Start wearing checkered suits again, you pieces of shit. Like, you absolute cowards. You fucking cowards. When will men start dressing like this? I will not rest until patterned suits become an unironic trend again. Listen, the 70s are coming back, okay? They're coming back in a big way. I have I was in fucking Target today, and there was plenty of set, like, 70s-inspired shit there, okay? It's coming back. Start wearing patterned suits or taste my blade. This is this is the thing from the 70s that has not come back... Back. <laughs> has not yeah. come back yet. I, I turned into <laughs> fucking... I turned into, a, like, a side character from Fargo there for a second. <laughs> um, I got so excited about patterned suits, but, like... Men, you heard the woman. Start dressing like this again. And also, like, the mustaches. Oh, my God. Like, like okay. I see guys doing the, like, big caterpillar mustache thing. But, like, as a bit. Like, they're doing it, like... Do it ironically. Mm-mm. It's sexy and you need to start doing it again. You heard her. Start I'm, doing I'm it. I'm correct. My taste in men is not questionable whatsoever. Not the slightest, Taylor. You should, you should listen to me about what I think that men should look like. <laughs> you hear <No>. me? <laughs> I know what the fuck is up. My tastes are normal. Oh, so normal. Taylor, your, your taste in men is the most normal. I'm normal. <laughs> and, okay. So we've okay. discussed the men's outfits. Yes. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Yes. I need I need a top favorite outfit in this movie from you. Okay. At one point, Kitty has this outfit on, and I can't remember exactly the details of it, but she has one of those little, like, ascots tied around her, her neck. Is it, like, the blue suit? It's that the she blue has? one. Yeah. Yeah. With, like, the black and white scarf? Yes. Tied around her neck? Oh, it's so I cute. Think, I love it. I think we need to bring those little scarves back. Definitely. We need to start doing, like, Fred from Scooby-Doo. We need to start Fred Core. Yes! Oh my god! Fred Core! Okay, I'm officially starting that as like a hashtag. Cottage Core is out, Fred Core is in. Just tie a little <laughs> tie a Just little tie scarf, a little on, scarf your on your neck and you did it. It's not even that hard. And say fuck. And say fuck. Fred said fuck. No, he didn't. <laughs> If you've never seen that post, that that came out of nowhere, but <laughs> Fred but, does say like, fuck. He does um, say fuck. I, I just... Okay. So I have two favorite outfits. Please, I'm cheating a little me. bit. Please, please, please. Because I have two that are, like, neck and neck for me that I can't decide. Uh-huh. So, um, Sybil Danning, um, Rosemary? Yes. No. No, Rosemary's no, the Lulu. other one. Sybil Danning she's is Lulu. Lulu. We can't even tell them apart. Again, I, I've told you guys, I can't keep these characters straight. Like, they're, they're just, like, hot Italian women, and they're either blondes or redheads. 
And we're not complaining because there we was love one dark haired woman in this movie and she is the killer. So we do love hot women on this podcast. Don't Some get of us, us especially love hot blondes. It's Some true. of our listeners I happen to know. <laughs> yeah, Elle, like, this is going to be a great movie for you. Yeah, <laughs> Elle is just, yeah. <laughs> Elle's going to be watching this movie and it's just like, just hot blondes, hot, scary looking blondes as far as the eye can see. <laughs> but, um, so Lulu's outfit, I think it's like her second, and, oh, it's, it's the scene where she and the boyfriend are like looking for, like they're like, they're like calling over a prostitute. Like driving down the street. Oh, right, right, right. And she like gets out of the car to like chase this woman down, which I I didn't think that was how that worked. But like also I've never <laughs> I've never it's solicited just, sex, so I don't know. It's just really extreme playing hard to get. Yeah, she like chases this woman down the street. It's very <laughs> weird. But so she gets out of the car and she's got this like blue, blue button up with a white turtleneck underneath it, matching blue pants, and then a white vest over the whole thing. 70s layering is is really just something. Just, uh, that's a great outfit. And then in a similar vein with the turtleneck situation, this outfit is on screen for like two minutes max. But like Kitty's like black and white, like kind of checkered suit with the random orange turtleneck underneath. Oh my God. Was you, you also know, like super, super cute. I loved it. You know, it's the 70s when there's just orange everywhere. So much orange. That's another thing that's coming back in a big way. And I'm very happy about it because I love orange. I also love orange. I just don't look good in it, unfortunately. I just like, like, I like that, like, 70s, like, orange, yellow kind of color mm -hmm. palette. Orange, yellow, brown-ish colors. Mm -hmm. That's, like, that's the kind of shit I like. So I'm glad that that's kind of trendy now because I can get Obviously. that easily in stores. Because um, for a while, orange was, like, a verboten color. Because people are cowards. Because people are cowards. But, like, you watch movies from the 70s, and, like, these women are looking great, and they're wearing orange all the time. So, like, just like the Barbara Boucher in this movie, she's she's rocking the orange turtleneck. She looks great. I was also obsessed with everybody's makeup. I know you're not, like, a makeup person, so, like... I am not, but I will let you go off. I just really... I won't talk about it for too long, but I loved the, like, almost, like, Sophia, Sophia Loren, like, cat eye with, like... Um, a little bit of space between the top lashes and the bottom lashes that was like sort of filled in white. So it just made her eyes look huge. I mean, we Which love is especially eye. great because she spends a lot of this movie sort of <laughs> scared and wide eyed. <laughs> Terrified. So I, I really enjoyed that her makeup seemed very purposefully done to emphasize her sort of wide eyed expressions. It was great. I also li I, I liked everyone else's makeup, but I, I really took notice of the fact that Kitty's makeup seemed very deliberate to give her that sort of wide eyed look, but also still like with that like deep 70s smoky eye. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm. Sorry, one more outfit before we move on. Go for it. Unfortunately, this outfit only appears in the scene. Mm. But like her kitty's robe, like the patchwork green, blue and red and purple robe. We love a patchwork pattern. Again, it's like so 70s. I love it. Oh, and speaking of robes, um, Fran Franziska's like weirdly sexy black. Yes. <laughs> You're yes. taking care of your ailing grandfather and you're going to bed wearing like the sexiest little like piece of lingerie I've ever seen. Oh, queen. It was such a horny item of clothing. It really was. And for and for what? And for what? Like you're you're in this big house. It's you and your fucking ailing grandfather. 
What are you trying to seduce, ma'am? I mean, like, it, it is a gothic with fucked up family shit. That's true. It, it has the same energy as Christine in 04 Phantom of the Opera going to visit her father's grave in that, like, boobalicious black dress. <laughs> it's just a titties out kind of look. Yeah, like, sometimes sometimes you just, like, you, you've you been on your own for a little while. You've been taking care of your, <laughs> your fucking sick grandpa. You need to look a little sexy for you once in a while. You just need to have your titties out for a bit. And that's valid. That's <laughs> it okay. It's a titties out kind of look. It was. God, yeah. But I could, I could I'm going to cut myself off, though, because I could go no. on and on about the, the outfits in this can, movie. Can we talk about Martin for a second? <sighs> if we must. So here's my question. And <sighs> every woman in this movie wants to fuck this man so bad. So bad. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to the actor. You're, I'm sure you're a very wonderful dude. This guy's a six at best. I'm sorry. He's, he's fine. He's not ugly. He's not, but he's not like every woman throwing themselves at his feet. To me, it reminds me a lot of um, like how like every movie in the 90s with Michael Douglas like, is about a- how badly every woman in the world wants to fuck Michael Douglas. But like Michael Douglas is like He's just a guy. He's just some guy. He's like, okay. Again, he's like handsome. He's not ugly. But like, is he worth what all of the women in this movie are literally throwing themselves at his feet? He's not ugly, but like, also, I could probably walk down to the fucking stop and shop right now and find a dude that looks just like that. (laughs) How about like a dozen dudes who look just like that? Yeah, exactly. And it's not even like his fashion elevates him over the top because everyone was dressing like that back then. Exactly. Like, if I saw a guy who looked like that but who was also dressing like that now, he would be kind of an anomaly. And I'd be like, that's a sexy little outfit you've got on. Right, but considering his setting, it's it's nothing to write home about. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, you're you're completely right. He is, like, the most (laughs) average-looking dude. (laughs) I love film analysis, don't you? Don't you? Don't you love (laughs) that we get to do this? like twice a month is just to sit back and just say whatever the fuck comes out of our <laughs> mouths yeah that so so that sort of broke my immersion a little but you know the potentially supernatural serial killer i could handle but a bunch of women wanting to throw themselves at this dude couldn't handle it <laughs> so can i say okay I haven't. I had a, two corresponding notes that are very funny. Okay, I would. I would them, like to hear them. Uh, I can't find the first one, but I know I wrote it down. Was like, oh, huh? They're really glossing over the fact that this could potentially be some kind of like ancient supernatural curse coming mm, down upon this they family. Treat it very casually. It, it, it treats and it, by the end, like it's revealed obviously that it's not supernatural, which is my second note. And I was like, oh, I guess that explains a lot. But also. Kitty spends most of this movie thinking that this is a ghost or a spirit or a demon or some kind of ancient supernatural curse that has been on her family for over a hundred years. And she treats this very blasé. She's just, I mean, like, she's scared, but like, she's more scared because of the murder. It's not really scared or like shocked at, at the idea that ghosts might exist. Right, it's the same kind of fear you would expect from, like, a woman with a normal serial killer after her. Yeah, you know? like, she's exhibiting the same level of fear. Yeah, definitely. 
She's like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's a ghost coming after me, whatever. But, like, this thing might kill me, and that's the scary part. But it's like, <laughs> that's a ghost, though. It's a ghost. It might be the ghost of your dead sister. She's who very is, like, blasé about the ghost part. Who is also, like, leaving threatening answering machine messages. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I think more ghosts should make use of the answering machine, quite frankly. I mean, maybe not in this day and age, because we don't have them very much anymore, except for, like, on our cell phones, I guess. Okay, I thought the funniest part was that, like, Rosemary was, like, being- I, I'm stating this definitively. I think it was Rosemary. Yes. Is being, like, interviewed by the cop, and the cop is like, do you have an alibi about where you were at this time? And she was like, uh, I placed a call to, like, this person. And he was like, well, you know answering machines don't, don't like, tell you the time that somebody left a message. <laughs> Oh and I'm God. sitting here like, if this took place now, <laughs> if she over. called somebody's cell phone, that would record when she left that message. So she'd have an airtight alibi. You'd have to, I guess in order to make, to remake this movie, you had to, we would have to keep it set in the 70s. Yeah, you, you would have to set it in the 70s for that plot point alone, for the answering yeah. machine ghost alone. Um, so we haven't talked a lot about the dubbing in this movie. <laughs> Deserves its own little little sidebar. For I'm the tying. Dubbing. I'm tying it into this because there's one point. Uh, I think it it might just be the scene you were just talking about. She's like, she phrases it like, "I left a recording on one of those answering machines." <laughs> it's like Queen, just the most spectacular wording. Very natural, very clearly not done to, like, match up to the lip movements of the actress speaking Italian. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, the, okay, the most insane thing about this movie... Did yes. you watch it dubbed into English? I did. I didn't. You didn't? Mm-mm. So I watched it on Tubi. Oh, I watched it on YouTube. I didn't know it was on Tubi. That's so funny. Yeah, so I watched this on Tubi, and the version on Tubi is... In Italian, but it's still dubbed. <laughs> oh my god! It's still badly dubbed. In Italian? In Italian! <laughs> Man, Italian cinema in the 70s, just no idea what to do with dubbing. It's so funny to me. Like, I love that both of us are talking about, like, oh yeah, this movie has insane dubbing in it. <laughs> you would expect that to be only a problem in foreign releases? Right. No! No, I watched this movie in Italian with subtitles, and the dubbing was awful. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know this movie was on Tubi. I because oh that sucks. I, every time I like you, yeah. Usually you can Google a movie and be and it'll say like here's where it's streaming. That's where that's where I found out it was on Tubi. That's so weird. Why did it do it for me? I don't know. Maybe I had my VPN on or something. Because it wanted you this to watch it This episode is sponsored by Nord v No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it wanted you to watch it in English so that you could compare it to my experience watching it in Truly. Italian. By the way, everyone, like, if you want to watch this movie, the whole thing is on YouTube, dubbed into English. If you prefer it with subtitles, though, I mean, listen. So, most of the time, people are like, I would prefer to watch something in the original language mm -hmm. because... Those are the actors' actual voices. And no, it's like, not in this case. That's but like that's not going to be a factor with this movie. <laughs> not Nor in will this it case. be with most movies made in the seventies. Uh, I would say. Oh, most like seventies Italian horror. Whatever language you watch it in, it's going to be badly dubbed. Yeah. Um. 
we we talked about this a little bit in our Suspiria episode. Because, <clears throat> of course, it comes up in the Suspiria episode. Of course. Because, like, this movie also had some, like, primo Argento dialogue. Oh, stunning, on point, wonderful, show-stopping, beautiful, never been done before. Literally never the same. <laughs> never <laughs> totally the same unique. twice. Totally unique. Oh, it's delightful. God. I just, I, I that, but that to me is part of the Giallo experience. I was just gonna say, like, if you go into wanting, like, wanting to watch any like Italian horror movie from this time period, this is a feature, not a bug. No, like it, I said, it's not a bug. Like I said in the Suspiria review, this is part of the experience. This is what you're getting, and that's why I think that it's so good that even when you watch it in Italian, it is still badly dubbed because it is a feature. There's no way to escape it. It's a feature, not a bug. And you, you can't will get enjoy out it. of the bad dubbing by watching it in Italian because it's badly dubbed in Italian too. And here's the thing. I forget if I talked about this in the Suspiria episode or not, but like when on Italian productions and you see this also with like, I'm not really super familiar with spaghetti Westerns, but like you see this a lot in those too. Like, these, like, sort of 70s genre films from Italy and that sort of area of Europe. A lot of the time on set, the rule was... Because they had actors coming in from everywhere. I mean, I think Barbara Boucher is French. They would bring in, like, Hollywood actors and have them be in these movies. Like, Sergio Leone movies have Hollywood actors in them all the time. But, like, um, this was also a plot point in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that this happened constantly. (laughs) Um, But... The rule was pretty much on set, like, speak your own language. We'll just dub it later. Right. I think I also did mention this in the Suspiria episode. But, like, you can tell that nobody in this movie, their mouths, (laughs) everyone is speaking a different language. Absolutely. Which is why it is, like, badly dubbed even in Italian. Because it's not as if everyone was speaking Italian on set and then when they released it in America or whatever, they were just like, oh, we'll dub it into English. No, it was like one person was speaking French and one person was speaking Italian and someone else was speaking Spanish and someone was speaking English. Like, everyone just spoke whatever language they spoke. And they were like, whatever. We'll just dub it in post. (laughs) And that's why these movies are like this. It's so insane. Again, feature, not a bug. It's great. It's so fun. Did they also have grown women dubbing the little girls at the beginning in the Italian dub? Yes, they did. (laughs) That is so funny to me. It was like, clearly... That did happen. Not even in the English dub, it wasn't even like... And I feel like I'm like an anime fan now, talking (laughs) about English. I I watched... Did you watch The Red Queen Kill seven times in the original Japanese? Um, (laughs) Subs, not dubs. (laughs) It was just so funny because, like, this girl, this nine-year-old little girl in, like, her her frilly little dress and playing with her doll opens her mouth and is clearly, like, the voice of a 30-year-old woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I was like, oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. It was like that in the Italian version, too. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <clears throat> like, it wasn't even, like, this woman wasn't even trying to sound like a little girl. No. they. I, I, I don't even think this woman was told that she was playing a little girl. <laughs> I would not be surprised. I think they just brought her into the recording studio and they were like, here, we'll throw some money at you. You read some lines. Go read home. these lines. <laughs> yeah, I literally have a note in here that's like, adult women dubbing children is my favorite 70s movie phenomenon. Never sounds natural, ever. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Never sounds good. It's great. It's so good. 
It doesn't sound good, but it is so good. Yeah, it's not that it sounds good. It is good. <laughs> Again, as we've said like five times, feature not a bug. It's part of the experience. <clears throat> this is what you're signing up for. Yep. Again, these are the trappings of the genre. I feel like if you remade this movie, you would have to do that. Oh, you have to. You would have to recreate the bad dubbing. <laughs> Unless you're doing like a Suspiria 2018 kind of thing. Although, Suspiria 2018, I'm not going to talk about Suspiria 2018 for a long time because we are going to do its own separate episode, but it did have a similar sort of vibe wherein, like, there are parts of that movie that are just entirely spoken in German. And they're not, like, badly dubbed, but it is very, like, kind of the same vibe. I have a random thing that I wanted to say, and I, I can't figure out a natural way to lead into this. When do we do natural transitions <clears throat> ever in this podcast? Please. This is going to be a real problem when we start getting sponsors. The floor is yours. And we have to, like, lead into ad breaks. It's not... I'm, I can't do it. I can't make myself do it. Um, so this is an important thing that I feel like I need to say. So the husband of uh, Francisca, after the, the grandpa dies and they're all sitting around the table, he's like, um, haven't we all been waiting for that old man to die? And I wrote down that that line and this character has big Uncle Len from Braindead Energy. Oh my god. Stop. That's all I could think of. He even kind of looks like him. That's so cursed. I hate that, actually. Yeah. I despise that. I couldn't figure out a way to lead into that naturally, so I just wanted to state it outright. Yeah, that dude has big Uncle Len energy. While we're talking about things that we can't lead into naturally, I do want to say, um, very upsetting during the climax where it showed, like, all those little rats getting, like dumped out of the pipe with I water <laughs> i was like oh my god i hope they were okay after the shooting jesus christ i hope they were okay i'm sh i'm not gonna say i'm sure they were they probably yeah, were i'm not but... gonna say i'm sure they were but i really hope they were i i don't i can't say for certain if they were but i'm i hope i hope that they were they all seem to be moving around okay this is so... a mere 20 years after the the infamous lemmings incident so ah uh, yes I'm not sure if this movie has a no animals were harmed in this motion picture <laughs> stamp at the back. I don't think those were a thing until the 90s. Uh, so. All right. We're going to just. We're going to move on from you know, that. But the rats are super cute. I like them. They are very cute. I like rats. Um, I like to see them. I also them. like rats. I can tell you what animals weren't harmed in the making of this movie. The bats on strings that were flying around in the background. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Pure, pure, like, universal horror, like, oh, so bats good. on strings. So oh, good. The pinnacle. The fucking pinnacle. I'm like, oh, God. I love it. I love when, like, an otherwise very, like, maybe not serious, but, like, very, um... Melodramatic? Yeah, movie. Just fully does bats on a string. <laughs> so good. It's good every time. Like, it's you're so trying good. to get me to take this movie seriously, but you can't even bother to get... <laughs> I think every movie should have bats on a string. I agree. There's every no single reason, one. There's no reason for CGI when you have bats on a string. <laughs> <laughs> Why in the world would anyone want to make CGI creatures? When you have bats on a string. When you have bats on a string. <laughs> Andy Warhol's Frankenstein also inexplicably has bats on a string in a movie that is, like, incredibly adult-oriented and has, like, lots of sex in it. Um, I love it. 
which I find so funny because to me that reads is such like a little kid thing. Right. Like bats on a string, you think like the count on Sesame Street yeah, just to it, bring it, it all back it to reads Sesame so Street. Juvenile. But so it's, it's so, so good. It's always so funny to me when it shows up in like a serious horror movie. You want me to take you seriously? You have bats on a string. <laughs> you know what I just thought of? What? Do you think, like, what if instead of having bats on a string, we had worm on a string? Wow. Your silence is so deafening. That's deep. I'm serious. Like, every time you want to do bats on a string, you could just do worm on a string. That is true. I think, I just think it would be fun. I agree. And I, I like worm on a string. I okay, also like worm on. on a string. <laughs> That's like top 10 dumbest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about top 10. No, we'll kidding. see how I feel on Tuesday when I'm editing and whether I want to cut yeah. that. <laughs> editing Taylor. See on the flippy flip. Yeah. See Did you cut worm on a string? Let me know. The worm <laughs> on a string bit. Was it good? Oh. <laughs> I like that the whole fashion thing was like actually kind of semi-tied into the plot and the reveal of who the killer was. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, easily been set dressing and it wasn't, and I liked that. How could it not be when the killer is just so stylish? So sexy and dedicated to her aesthetic. Truly. Honestly, we, honestly, like, every slasher could only dream to be as dedicated to their aesthetic as Rosemary is. It's true. She's the gold standard. The cackle! The cackle, the red flowing cape as she runs, the, like, dagger weapon, which, by the way, we are going to see again next time. He who. I did, I made a note saying that our next film was definitely inspired by this one in terms of the weapon. Oh, that's good. Then I accidentally chose, like, a really good movie to you pair did. it with. You did. I cannot believe that we've gone almost an hour and we haven't, like, just straight up talked about, like, what's Giallo? Yeah, Taylor, what is Giallo? Now that we're like, I just look down at my notes and I have a whole thing about like Giallo and like everything, like I've all the stuff about it. And like, well, Taylor, now that we're approaching the end of the episode, (laughs) please tell us what Giallo is. So, Giallo um, is actually Italian for yellow. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you knew this. I did. uh, Taylor, I took uh, four or five years of Italian. Over the course of my my schooling, we did cover colors at some I, point. Yeah, I I was I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page, Jemmy. I understand. I just wanted to be a little shit about it. So giallo means yellow, <laughs> and the reason the giallo films are called giallo films is that they are sort of done in the style of like pulp paperback novels, uh, which usually have yellow pages. So the movies were sort of colloquially known as like yellow movies because they were in the style of these yellow paperbacks. They they were very popular in the 60s and 70s in Italy. I fucking love them. I think we should bring them back. <laughs> I also think we should bring them back and our movie next time will uh, hopefully spark a renaissance, I think. I mean, the director has sparked several renaissances in horror, so we can only hope. One, yeah, one can only hope that we start getting like low budget giallo ripoffs. Oh, be so good. Um, they also seem to me like slasher precursors. They are kind of slasher precursors, which is why I'm, again I'm talking about next movie, but like that also has a lot of like slasher tropes in it. Yeah, 
Like, you can, it's definitely, like, sort of, I mean, obviously the tropes and the ideas are very different, but, like, the general sentiment of, like, this is a a big cast of characters and you're going to see them get picked off one by one by a masked killer. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's a slasher movie. Yeah. Also, I think it's interesting that despite the fact that Suspiria is sort of the, the movie a lot of people think of when they think of Jalo movies. It's not a Jalo movie, though. It's not. It's not. It's because I think Jalo movies generally don't have like supernatural elements, which is why I was kind of intrigued when I first heard about this one. I was like, oh, huh. It's another like supernaturally Jalo, but then it, of course it turns out to not be. <laughs> Jalo movies, I mean, I to me, the archetypal Jalo movie and the one that I almost chose to go with our next uh, feature was Blood and Black Lace, which um, I had seen. It's a Mario Bava movie. And it takes place, it's a 60s movie, takes place in this sort of high-class fashion house where the models are being picked off one by one by a masked killer wearing a black glove. That's another thing that shows up in a lot of Giallo movies. Not in this, uh, not in Red Queen, but like other ones is the black glove. No, she had black gloves. She did, didn't she? She did have black gloves. You see them when she's like locking that one woman yes! in the. Oh my god! Yeah, like I actually noted that. I'm like, oh, they're the they're the black gloves. That's a jello trope. Um, also in next week's movie or next time's movie. Yes, I know we we keep alluding to it, but mm. I'm sure like most people have guessed what it is. But... Probably have guessed it, but <laughs> I don't know why we're being coy. But um, what was I saying? Oh, um. Yeah, like, the Blood and Black Lace is sort of what I think of when I think of, like, the archetypal, sla- uh, not slasher movie, Giallo movie, mm-hmm. um, in that it is sort of this slasher formula of, like, people being killed one by one, and then right. there's, like, a big, but, like, the difference with a slasher versus a Giallo is that a slasher, uh, it's usually just, like, you know who the killer is. It's, like, a supernatural force, or it's, like, some big guy with a machete, like, it's, like, you know who the killer in a slasher movie is. Giallo uh-huh. is, there's also a mystery element. Can I say something? Someone in the cast who is picking off the other characters. I need to say something huge-brained right now. Mm. Huger-brained than my worm on a string thing? Not quite. Okay. But. <laughs> no one will ever quite reach that. Do you know what has a lot of, not necessarily like, this is a Jallo, but like you know, it has a lot of Jallo vibes. Actually, hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, the first Saw movie, huh? You know what? T. I'm just thinking about like you know, you have the big cast of characters that are kind of getting picked off by the Jigsaw Killer. You don't know who the Jigsaw Killer is the whole time. It's very much Jallo is also known to have like a like kind of a police procedural element, which is very much pre- uh, present in Red Queen. So does Saw. Huh. The first one, obviously. I don't think the re- the rest of it just spirals yeah, the, into... The rest of the Saw series is its own thing. Its own beautiful thing. Again, mu- much like David Pumpkins, it is its own thing. Yes. But that is interesting. I've never really thought about that before. Huh. Yeah, I haven't either. It just occurred to me. I was like, huh. That's actually kind of true. That's so fun. Can we talk anyway, about Mar- like, go back to Martin? Let's go back to just Martin. briefly. Because... Man, he, I didn't like him. <laughs> he was not a good dude. There's this like part he, where he says to Kitty, he goes, he's like, you're hiding something from me. And I don't understand what it is. And I just wrote that line down and I followed it up with, well, you're hiding her from your wife. So like. <laughs> your wife and the like 
secretary girl you fucked. So, like, you're... Come on, dude. Did he fuck Lulu or Rosemary? They're the same person! I know! They're basically the same person. God, why did we need two of them? We could have just had Rosemary. We could have just had Rosemary. She's a queen and an icon, and we stand her. No, because we totally needed that scene where, where Lulu, like, pulls over and chases a prostitute down in a public park. True, and where she, like, just is butt-ass fucking naked on this man's couch. This for no true. reason. This true. Honestly, God. she's a queen. She's a queen. <laughs> Lulu and Rosemary, both queens. Both queens. They should be the same person, though. They should. Oh, one more thing. I was incredibly confused by the amount of sisters in this movie. Oh my god, same. I spent the first, like, ten minutes after the little opening bit thinking that Francisca was their mother. <laughs> I, I did know. too. They cast a really young actress to play their mom. That's weird. I thought I didn't know who she was. I didn't th even think she was related. I was just like, wait a minute. Is she also like, I, I had to, again, go on Wikipedia and look up a synopsis and be like, oh, she's also a sister. Because I thought the only two sisters, because you have that whole, you'd think in the whole childhood flashback, they would mention like, oh yeah, your but older sister. there was sister. a third sister. <laughs> But they don't! So she's there. She's around somewhere. Yeah, they just don't. And then it turns out that Rosemary is also a sister. Because, because... the whole plot of this movie is that, like, there's two sisters. Yep. The legend is about two sisters. The Red Queen and the Black Queen. And then this movie is like, actually, there are, like, five sisters. She's a sister. You're a sister. I'm a sister! Are there any more sisters I should know about? <sighs> oh, man. So many sisters. So many. Also, this movie inexplicably takes place in Germany. Oh my god, you're, you're right, it does. Don't know why. <laughs> I mean, Suspiria also inexplicably takes place in Germany. Maybe it was just an Italian horror thing. I guess. Was it, was it like how... Was it like how all the gothic novels are set in Catholic countries because Protestants thought Catholics were really scary? It could be. Did the Italians just like look over at the Germans and they were like, S weird stuff's going on there. You guys are, we got our eyes on you. <laughs> you guys are weird. I bet you guys do a lot of masked murder over there. I bet there's a lot of fucked up family shit over there. <laughs> a lot of big castles with lots of sisters running around killing each other. <laughs> That's all Germany is actually. <laughs> I'm an expert, Fuck, trust I need me. to go to Germany now. <laughs> Yeah, can I get killed by a hot blonde sister in Germany? Like, I want to I get murdered by a hot blonde woman in Germany. Anyway, we need to... This got way off track. Now yeah. we're just being gay. That's what this podcast is, Taylor. This is a very gay, gay movie for me. Because there were like two... Yes. There were like three men in it and they were all really ugly. Exactly. Not that that has women... stopped me before. Oh, that's never stopped you, Taylor. But none of them were but like in nasty at all. instance, none of them were the kind of ugly that I mm. was able to wholeheartedly embrace. I was much more interested in, of... in the cabal of very hot women. Mm -hmm. Not the kind of ugly, also not the kind of nasty. One exactly, of these... they were just boring and they were nasty in a boring way. Like, oh, you're cheating on your wife, whatever. Call me when you like, I don't know. Call me when you're a war criminal. Call me when you're, like, yeah, do some war crimes and call me back, you know? Call me when you actually kill someone. Call me when you've murdered a man, you know? Watch the life drain from his eyes, you know? <laughs> like a real man. It's fun and sexy and you should do it. This is not... I'm not advocating murder. In, in real life. In fiction, murder, A-OK. -okay. In fiction, do it all the time. I love it when they do murder. Oh my god. 
That's why we. That's why we run a horror podcast. Yeah, exactly. This movie, though, hot women doing murder. So many hot women doing backstabbing murder. each other. So good. It's like a. <laughs> oh God. My one of my notes about Rosemary and Lulu at first, like when we first saw see them like gossiping, I literally just wrote these women escaped from a Ryan Murphy project. Oh my god. <laughs> see, so I, like, I don't know enough about Ryan Murphy to dispute that. Never find out. Ne- never find out. Just trust me. Trust one half of the Ryan Murphy scholar duo that is me and Meeks. Yeah. I fear for your sanity sometimes because you've seen you really so should. much Ryan Murphy bullshit. I've seen so much. And I rewatch like <laughs> we're rewatching Scream Queens. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Which is objectively like the most Ryan Murphy of Ryan Murphy's projects. Anyway, we're not talking about Ryan. We're not talking about Ryan Murphy except in the instance where I was like, this is kind of a Ryan Murphy Jallo, where a bunch of women are being catty and stat backstabbing each other and killing each other. I just love it when women get to be evil. I've said that a lot, but it's true. No, but it's just so true. It's this mission statement of this podcast. We love evil women. If you take nothing else from this podcast, take this. Evil women? It's sexy. Evil women? Good. It's sexy when women are evil. It's true. God. It's only not sexy when it doesn't align with their character arcs, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Hush. We have a few months left until May. I know. I did I did, listeners, I did approach Taylor and say, like, feasibly we could do Multiverse of Madness on this podcast, and I don't know. I'm still considering whether we can. We'll have to wait until... Sound off in the comments. Do you think that we should do Multiverse of Madness on this podcast? (laughs) They're all gonna say no because they follow my Twitter and know how annoying I am. <laughs> Someone's gonna say yes, and that's the one person we'll listen to. It's true. Anyway, I think that's all I have on this movie. That's all evil, I have on this movie. Evil women doing murder good. Love it when women do murder. Especially when women manipulate other women into doing murder. That's hot. It's a fun dynamic. It is hot. It's very sexy. I wish a I wish an evil MILF would manipulate me into doing murder. <laughs> Ladies, if you're out there. <laughs> Ladies, if you're out there. Jimmy's single. Evil MILFs, if you need a sugar baby who you can mo- manipulate into doing murder, call me. <laughs> Any ladies out there want to manipulate Jemmy into committing some crimes for them? She's available. I am. I'm not She's doing available anything. and she's interested. <laughs> Wanna read some letterbox reviews? <laughs> I, I would love to. Okay. I did you have a, did you have a hard time with this one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. I was looking at the letterbox reviews. I was like, oh, Taylor's not gonna have a good time here. A lot of people leaving very serious, long, like five paragraphs, long talking about like here, like, oh my god, colors colors and like oh the history of Giallo. Like, I'm here for jokes, buddy. <laughs> Like, you're valid, but we're here for jokes. On, okay, on a real one, before I get into this, brief rant. This is my podcast, and I get to rant if I feel like it. I I saw some tweets recently that were, like, someone saying, like, Letterboxd is pivoting away from, like, film reviews, and, like, the only way to get likes on this app anymore is to, like, make stupid jokey jokes. Like, start a blog. Are you posting on Letterboxd for likes? (laughs) I'm here for jokes, buddy. Like, no, I no, but like, I'm here to log the movies I watch when I watch them so that I know that I have seen 
I don't know, Cinderella like 500 times in the last two years. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I'm here for there to be a public record of how many times I've watched The Conjuring 2. Exactly. Like, I'm not here to, I'm not here to make friends. I'm no. not here to have likes. I'm not here I'm to not be popular. I'm not here to do serious film analysis. Like, people are really posting, like, on Twitter being like, Litterbox sucks now because, like, I post my serious film analysis and it doesn't get any likes. And someone who posts a silly little review gets all these, all these comments. What are you here. posting for likes on Letterboxed? Letterboxed? Is it's for, not for it's, that. It, Letterbox is for what your heart wants to say. And so exactly. your heart wants to say a jokey joke. I think jokey jokes and big long reviews are both valid and both like cool to have. Period. Why are you all posting for likes on Letterboxd? That's Letterboxd not what it's there is for. not the app. I, I, that's not true though, because I have two different friends who met their partners on Letterboxd. Okay, fair enough. But also, like, I don't know. It's just very so, like, weird to I me. Guess Maybe it could just be that I live, even on, like, Twitter, I am in just, like, a, a little void of my own because I'm on private and I don't want the- If I wasn't on private, it would not be pretty. I'd be getting into fights with people, like an unspayed alley cat, but, um... <laughs> Letterbox is just where you go to get- to let all of your thoughts out about the movie you just watched. And whatever those thoughts are, are valid thoughts. Especially exactly. the ones that I find funny, like this one from uh, Belial Carboni, who says, The Red Queen slaps Belial's brain seven times <laughs> and shatters it into a swanky psychedelic chunks of brilliance. A stylish and captivating giallo, Red Queen is packed with lavish visuals, visuals, I can't speak, an intriguing mystery and the always addictive unhinged energy of Italian cinema. <laughs> Yeah, unhinged is a very good way. Unhinged a very good is way a very describe. good word to describe this movie. It's incredibly unhinged. Uh, he gave it uh, four stars. Love that. Uh, Sam says, "Pretty good Jalo with a dope title that stars a Freddie Mercury lookalike in the in the role of the detective." Three stars. <laughs> Why did you Freddie Mercury like that? Why? Did, yeah, Freddie Mercury is hotter than that. Uh, Laird says, sibling rivalry, or sisters are doing it for themselves, it equals murder. Very true. Very true. Uh, he gave that one three and a half stars. Mary says, when I finally invent a time machine to go back to the 70s, only to discover that not everyone looked as stylish as they do in this movie, I'm gonna be so disappointed. Okay, same though. Like, I go back to the 70s and you're telling me not everyone was styled by a professional film costumer? Fuck you. Let me live in my fantasy world. I reject that. Bryn, and she didn't give it any stars. Uh, Bryn says, this movie with men, 3.5 stars. This movie when men are not on screen, 5 stars. Three and a half true. stars. True. So call true. Me, you get it. You understand. Call me a feminist, but... <laughs> Time Cop says, if I worked at a fashion house where everyone around me was getting killed, I would simply quit my job and leave town for a few days. Three and a half stars. Okay, consider, though, this is a very sexy scenario to be in. It's true. Again, I wish this would happen to me. And uh, Mumbles says, technically she doesn't. Three and a half stars. That's true. Yeah, it's right. She doesn't kill seven times. It's a misleading title. It's like how in The Conjuring, no one conjures anything. <laughs> when will they conjure? They conjured in the third one. I'm waiting on that conjure. There is a third one where they do conjure. Uh, Roxy says, ha 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 ha, The Red Queen, 1972. So Two true, bestie. Stars. So true, bestie. 
Uh, oh, and the final review, which I found incredibly relatable, is from, uh, I think you pronounce their name Meow. M-I-A-U or Mio. Uh, yeah, says, Meow. What? Meow. Meow? Mayo. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Let's get this out of the way. Isn't Martin's Place the ugliest thing you've ever seen? I would go insane if I lived there. While I couldn't really connect that much to the story, and especially the characters, this is such a good giallo. And it's always fun when Italian movies are randomly shot in Germany or Switzerland. <laughs> Three and a half stars. <laughs> Martin's His house is very ugly. I get it. It's it's disgusting, but also... It's just so 70s. It's Yeah, it's dripping with sleazy 70s energy. Oh, it's, it's the worst. I love it. <laughs> Much like Martin himself. It's true. Very sleazy, very 70s. All right. So, if you haven't guessed... Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Star ratings. Yep. Star ratings. I need to, like, have my little cheat sheet. Anyway. Uh, Taylor, how many stars you give in this movie? I... You know what? We've been on a five-star streak for a while. Uh-huh. Arguably since this podcast began. Uh, no, we did do Haunted Mansion. Yes, we did do Haunted Mansion. Yes. I'm uh, going to give this three and a half. Yeah, that's what I gave it on Letterboxd. I think that's what I'm going to give it here, too. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'd, I'd watch but it again. It's, it's, to me, it's not one that I'm going to be, like, coming back to again and again. It's fun. Yeah. Like, if somebody wanted to watch this with me, I'd be like, yeah, sure, let's watch it. But like, I, I'm not going to suggest this, I don't think. Yeah, no. But it's good. But it's fun. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Do not take the three and a half star as like an indictment of the film. It's a it's a good movie. It is. We just spent an hour like giggling about it. It's it's a fun time. If you like Jalo or you like Gothic, you're going to love this. Or if, if you like both, this is the perfect movie for you. It is. All right. All right. Well, if you hadn't guessed already by all the allusions we've been making to it over the course of this episode. Oh, so subtly hinting. So subtly. Next time, we're watching 2021's Malignant, directed by our lord and savior, James Wan. I'm so excited. I have not seen this movie. And listeners, listeners, I know nothing about the plot of this movie. Listeners, Make eye contact with me across the airwaves. Do not tell Taylor anything about this movie. <laughs> Do I'm not sorry. say anything to Taylor about this movie. I don't know a goddamn thing. I'm so excited because, like, when you said to me, like, oh, like, I want to do Malignant, but, like, have you seen it? And I was like, no, I never saw it when it was in theaters because I was, like, hear- I was, like, hearing mixed things about it. Like, I had some friends who didn't really like it. And... So I was like, mm, I don't. I think I'm gonna skip this one. But like you and L, especially, we're both like, this is the most bonkers thing ever. It's so great. So it's, it's camp. Malignant is camp. <laughs> and you will not elaborate further. I'm not elaborating further. You will see. You're gonna agree with me, listeners. Know, like, we're coming. We're coming back this in is, two weeks. Has something to do with an imaginary friend of some kind. That's yes. all I and it's directed by James Wan. That's all I know. Like the thing of the thing is, like, I will watch anything James Wan does, so I knew I had to see this movie from the get-go. But we will talk more about that next week. 
until and, then, uh, you guys will get to hear my uh, my live and in person reaction. I so wish I was watching this with you in person, but oh well. Oh well. Anyway, until next, until then, until then, you can follow us at FGFPod on Twitter or on Instagram. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, you can give us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, do whatever you need to do on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on to let us know that you enjoyed our little program here. If you enjoyed us talking about how much we want to get murdered by hot blondes. Mm Mm-hmm. That's good. That's that's a recurring theme on this podcast. If this is the first episode that you've ever listened to and you're wondering to yourself, do these women talk all the time about how much they want to get murdered by hot blonde women? The answer is yes, we do. All the time. That's Definitely. all this podcast is for. This is this is a gays only podcast. It's true. And if, if, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm a dude who wants to get murdered by hot blonde women. You're an ally and you're part of the community and we support you. It's true. And if you're a non-binary person, same thing. If you want to get murdered by hot blonde women, if you're a a person and you want to get murdered by hot blonde women, you're welcome here. It's an LGBT trait. All right. This is a safe space. This is a safe space. We don't want to get murdered by hot blondes. Yeah. All right. We 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 will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody.